You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash sanantoniozen. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the talk. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've become aware over the last uh, couple of talks that I'm not speaking up as much as I could. Uh, it's kind of strange given that, given my chanting voice, I have a hard time speaking. So uh, if, you, if you get to where I'm getting too soft and you can't hear, please just raise your hand. Or you can always do the instinctual. A number of years ago, after Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa, he knew that the pasts, the past of South Africa really had the segregation, the oppression had to be addressed. And the person he asked to kind of lead this up is one of my warm-hearted heroes, uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu. And he headed up the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission in which there uh, were just hours and hours of public uh, testimony by people who had uh, been tortured by the system, been tortured by white policemen, people who had had family members disappeared, and even from the the powers that be, the police officers in the army who did the disappearing, did this. And this was so that there could be an open airing, a public acknowledgement of what had transpired over the years. And as I recall correctly, it went on for some months, if not years. Uh, And this was so that there could be a a peaceful changeover. So um, these wounds could be brought to light. And in the course of in the course of um, this process, Archbishop Tutu was interviewed. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the footage from there, but in the beginning, there was uh, somebody who would be recounting this horrific event, and you saw him just sobbing. 
just completely breaking down and sobbing. He was so heartbroken and mortified. And uh, I, the stories that he was hearing touched him very deeply. And in the interview, someone asked him, how do you do this all day? You're sitting in front of this, sitting in front of these people telling horrific stories all day long. How can you do this and not have uh, any resentment? Because he was still very chipper. He's kind of like the Dalai Lama, with a big, beautiful smile. And he said, well, I'm, I, I seem to be really lucky in that I was born with a forgiving heart. Born with a forgiving heart. And the interviewer said, so what is forgiveness then? And he said, forever giving up your right to retribution. That was his definition of it. Forever giving up your right to retribution if you've been wronged, forever saying, I'm not going to react, I'm not going to act back, I'm not going to return the wound, the injury. I first heard this story probably about 10 years ago. And So since that time, I've been very curious about the idea of forgiveness. It's something that is actually very alive in my practice, in my life. And over the years, I've talked to some of my mentors at San Francisco Zen Center and kind of sounded them out about what their definition of forgiveness is. Because it, it, I, I don't think there's actually one definition. I think we all have our own relationship to it, and we have our own definition to it. Uh, one that I heard was letting go of our expectations of others. One I just heard quite recently was the wife of the policeman killed on the Champs-Élysées a couple of weeks ago, and I actually heard it uh, uh, right after the Bataclan attacks, what, a year and two years before, a year and a half before that, where uh, they say, I'm not going to give you my hate. They say this to the people who committed the atrocities, I'm not going to give you my hate. And one, I, one uh, definition that I'd like to quite a bit really struck home, was one of my mentors, she was horrified to discover that her daughter was a porn star. She was heartbroken. And she told me that she uh, walked around in a, in a dazed, 
heartbroken fog for some time, kind of repeating over and over in her head, I'm not the kind of mother that has a daughter for a porn star. She spent a lot of time in the zendo, sitting, meditating. I'm not the kind of mother that has a daughter for a porn star. And then at some point, she said, the light went on. She said, well, quite clearly, I am the kind of mother that has a daughter for a porn star. And, uh, and she realized that her daughter was not responsible for her expectations of her. My, my mentor's daughter was not responsible for my mentor's expectations. She was never able to reconcile. her daughter's career with her expectations. But she began to loosen around that. I think it's also important not to confuse forgiving with forgetting. A lot of times, I don't think you hear it so much anymore, but people used to say, oh, forgive and forget. And it actually kind of doesn't, there's no Venn diagram for that. Where where there's the overlap. And actually, we wouldn't be doing uh, ourselves any favors by trying to forget. Nor would we be doing the other party any favors trying to forget, or pretending to forget. Therefore, it's really important to distinguish, in my view, between the act and the actor. Between the action and the person who did the action. Not to confuse, not not to see it as the same thing. Norman Fisher says, there are no unforgivable people. There are no unforgivable people, but there are unforgivable acts. It's quite a a good book. Heard me refer to it a few times. It's uh, Field Notes on the Compassionate Life, in which the author uh, tells a story about a guy whose daughter was murdered. And understandably, he and his wife devastated by this. And at some point, uh, for one reason or another, he actually went to the prison to meet the murderer after the after he'd been sentenced. Uh, and actually one meeting turned into another meeting, turned into another meeting, 
and begin meeting on a regular basis his father and the man who had murdered his daughter. Prior to this, he had been really struggling with a lot of anger and probably hatred for having had his daughter taken away from him. But what he found was, over a period of time, he got to know this person as a person, understood more about their life, where they were coming from, where he was coming from, what kind of background he had had. And against his will, his heart began to open toward this person. Against everything that he wanted, in spite of his instinct, his wanting to, to hold on, began to open and uh, became quite friendly. But what he realized was that was that forgetting the man for killing his daughter was actually an act of self-healing that he needed it as well too. It was his healing for him as it was for the, the man who killed his daughter to meet over a period of time to see each other as people. So it's quite necessary for our own well-being. Forgiving. I think my definition would be right now for forgiving would be uh, refraining from holding something against or over someone else. If we've been wronged, refraining from holding that against them or over them. So that's the giving up the right to retribution by refraining from doing that. And I think the one thing that I uh, would like to be really clear about, because in our, in our traditional way of looking at forgiving, we kind of want to think of it as always forgotten, let's be friends. Kind of like, uh, let us never speak of it again. The reality is, is that we can forgive some. We can forgive someone. We can forgive the group. We can forgive anybody. But we don't have to be friends. There's nothing that actually requires that. And it actually uh, may not be in our best interest or their best interest as well either to try and try and be close. Sometimes it happens over a period of time when enough time has passed. When enough I've seen it time and time again, when enough time has passed, people are able to come it's often able to come back together in a different way. 
and what they had done for in a healthier way. And for ourselves, if we have perpetrated an act that has harmed others, it's my view, my experience, that a, a genuine apology is a form of self-forgiveness. What, what I have experienced is, uh, for me personally, the other person's response was almost kind of irrelevant. Because it's completely owning my tangled karma in that moment to that person. So, for us to acknowledge wholeheartedly and completely an act that we've, that we've done where we were less than skillful is really is indeed an act of self-forgiveness. It's the same way whenever uh, you've heard me read chapter one from the Dhammapada, where it begins, he beat me, he robbed me, he abused me. Those who hold on to this are never going to be free. He beat me, he robbed me, he abused me. Those who don't hold on to this will be free. Hatred does not resolve hatred. Only non-hatred alone does it. Sometimes just chanting that, chanting that first chapter of the Dhammapada can be really helpful. If you have an altar at home, maybe something that you consider doing after you offer incense to chant chapter one of the Dhammapada. And going back to my talk a couple of weeks ago on loving kindness, we can also wish for the well-being of the actor. be a way to work towards forgiveness. And it is, uh, forgiveness is, like all other things, is actually a verb. It's not a noun. It's an active verb, so it's, it's ongoing. But I would also suggest that it's a, it's a cultivated uh, active verb. It's a, it's a cultivated verb something that we looks like if you go to the gym and work out we build muscles if we work on cultivating forgiveness or loving kindness we develop those muscles neuroscience tells us that there's a part of the brain that can't tell the difference when we're doing it whether we believe it or not so that's why faking it till you make it so powerful even if we feel like a like a phony 
And there's also, as part of that cultivation, there's a very active mantra that we can say. And some of you know it, actually. And it goes, however you have harmed me, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, I now forgive you. However you have harmed me, However, I've harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. Please forgive me. However, I have harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. I now forgive myself. These are called practices for a reason. We have to practice doing it. You don't pick up a violin and expect to knock out a concerto your first time. It's something that we practice, that we actually have to get in our body just like playing the violin. We would do the same thing. Any of these, any of these things and practices, it's so important to do these practices. It's so important do it, not only for the world, but for folks who have harmed, harmed us, or even folks who have been neutral towards us, but actually for our own well-being. Because as the saying goes, if somebody makes us angry or injures us, then we hold on to it. harming ourselves. They've moved on. They've moved on in their life. They're doing whatever they're doing in their life. And we're, we often get stuck doing, doing this. Actively cultivating these practices is really necessary for our own well-being. Particularly if we really want to save all beings. Pope Francis supposedly just gave a TED talk just last week in which he said, there is no you without us. Yeah, yeah. Doing it for us, doing it for ourselves, we do it for all of us. Doing it for all of us, we do it for ourselves. It's just coming and going, constantly moving back and forth. It really is a matter of whether we want to do it, whether we want to take it up, whether we want to give up our right to retribution or hold on to it a bit longer. And if we, if we decide we want to do that, what's that feel like? What are we noticing? What are we noticing in ourselves? How are we not forgiving ourselves?
everything really is Christopher the Mill. If we vow to live the awakened life, open life, to experience everything as our life, forgiving the life that we didn't get, and instead embracing the one that we do have. clouds part and the sun comes streaming through. And as you know, it's not, it's not so easy. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But this is the challenge that we have taken, coming, to, coming and sitting on the cushion. So the question I have for folks is, uh, what's your, what would be your definition of forgiveness? What is your experience of giving it and receiving it? And how does that, how does that change you? Does anyone have a definition of forgiveness that works, that, that you've heard or that resonates for you? 